Welcome to the Bliss Tour. I'm Julia Lee, and this is the second episode. You are listening to the sounds of the North Sea in Portobello, the beach of Edinburgh, Scotland. Today, I have a great interview with Harmony Eichstead of Wild Women's Adventure Club. We talk about being a full nomad, work fluid, and being a wild woman. Let's get started. I wanted to talk to you because you have, I, I call what you do like fluid work. It seems that, <laughs> and, and if that's offensive, I'm sorry, but it's no. just, it's just this, you know, I follow you on Twitter and Facebook and I'm always amazed that like the things that you're doing and I definitely want to talk about your latest venture, but I just want to sort of talk about if you don't mind, some of the things you've, you've done in the past, because it's just fascinating and you build communities and you're, do you think there's like a general sort of core to the things you've, you've chosen to do, if that makes sense? I think the more things I do, the more patterns start to emerge, but it's something that I haven't like seen the patterns often. Like I've felt like I've bounced from one thing to another. Uh, But now in hindsight, I'm starting to see like, oh, okay, I think there's actually like some similarities between some of the things that I've done. And it's something around community and people. Like I really, especially when I look at like the jobs that have really lit me up, it has to do with like getting people together or thinking about how people work or, you know, like there's something there about like the, the interplay between folks. But, um, but yeah, it, it oftentimes feels like I'm doing really different <laughs> jobs from one year to the next. I saw, um, I think it was the other day I saw where you were talking about writing a job description for yourself, for a place that wanted to hire you and you were creating a job for yourself. Yeah, I do that a lot. (laughs) And you said in the post, yeah, this is like the fifth time I've done this in five years or something like that. And tell me a little bit about that. Because I, when I'm writing my resume, I'm always like, "Uh, well, I guess. (laughs) What, what is, what does that entail? What are you, what are you pulling from that makes that possible for you? So I, the way that it's happened in each situation is a little bit different, but usually I'm like thinking about what's next for me, either because I'm ready to move on or because like I uh, was laid off because my company downsized in April. So then it's like, oh, okay. So I guess now we're thinking about what's next. (laughs) Um, So yeah, or graduating college or something, right? Like there's a transition point. And I don't know how I've learned this, but at some point along the way, I heard some statistic that like 80% of jobs are gotten through relationships, not Mm -hmm. job postings. Yeah. And relationships is something I do pretty well. So I just will like talk about like, okay, I'm looking for what's next and I don't know exactly what I want to do or I want it to be something like this. And I'll end up in a conversation with somebody and it'll be like, oh, well, I'm looking for somebody to do this kind of thing. Or I've thought about maybe creating something or I really want to work with you. So like, how do we make that happen? And then I'll create the job description, but really in conversation with that person. So that's what's happening now. I'm, uh, I have been working with a friend of mine sort of part-time and we've been like headed towards me coming on full-time. So I'm in the process of creating that job description and fleshing it out. 
but I didn't go to him saying like, I want to work for you. It was, okay, cool. I got laid off. You're somebody I really admire and respect. I'd love to get your advice and perspective on who I am and what I provide for the world and um, any sort of just general thoughts you have. And he was like, well, actually, we're looking for somebody maybe to come work with us. Do you want to talk about what that might mean and do you you know want to be that person? So so it's so interesting because the response in particular to that Facebook post, a lot of people were like, I want to know how to do this because I have all these companies and they should create this position that's this position for me. And it's like, that might be a really effective way to do it, but I've never done that, right? Uh-huh. Like, I just start from the relationships that I have and sharing about like what I'm up to and what I want to provide in the world. And then people have said, oh, well, maybe you should work with me. So it's very relationship-centered in terms of like creating those kind of jobs. So I, you're currently in the UK. I am. Yeah. For, but only till tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you're leaving tomorrow. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm in, I'm in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I have to think about how I say it. Cause I'm like Edinburgh, 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 Edinburgh. Someone told me it was like Cookaburra which I have trouble saying as well. So that didn't really help. But um, how long have you been in the UK? I've been here since uh, early September. And you've been, have you been mostly in London? Yeah. Yeah. I've been here since early September too. I was in Manchester for a weekend speaking at a conference, but the rest of the time I've been in London. Yeah. And did you just take a break um, and say, I want to be in London for a little bit? and come over or was it more work related or idea related or uh there's a a few things probably the the conference in manchester was my like professional excuse i don't know to who because it's not like i'm accountable to somebody this is my professional excuse but my uh my boyfriend lives in london so ah, okay um so it's also to come spend some solid quality time with him um but i am i'm fully nomadic so I'm going back to the States because I have some other events there, but I'll be heading out to some other place, you know, at some point. <laughs> okay. Tell me about fully nomadic because I am, I'm currently semi nomadic and yep. it's terrifying to me. I sold my house a year and a half ago and then I had an apartment in Austin and then I gave that up. And so I'm here doing just, Airbnb and I'm going to be in this place for about six weeks and looking to go for another place for about six weeks and it's kind of terrifying to me doing that I'm like what what am I doing I don't what's my permanent address what's so how do you how do you do that how do you how do, how do you be fully nomadic and how do you choose the places you're going to go and why well, I would argue that you are not semi-nomadic. You are fully nomadic because you don't have <laughs> a house. <laughs> okay. um, but you can go back and forth between them. So I was nomadic for a year and a half, and then I moved to L.A. for a job. And then I was there for a year and a half, and then uh, in June gave up my apartment there. So it's not a thing that you like can't go back and forth about. Yeah. I so far haven't found a place I love so much that I want to spend all my time there and commit and settle down. And I might at some point, or I might want to stay someplace for a very extended period of time before I move on. So I am not super attached to always being nomadic, but 
um, there's a lot of advantages to it because instead of spending money on uh, rent and utilities and all of that, I can spend money on plane tickets and go visit really cool places and people and see really beautiful things. There are things that are hard about it. Uh, for me, the hardest stuff is figuring out the little things in life. So where are the outlets? Where is the silverware? You know, what hours are the yeah. grocery stores open? Like all of that mundane stuff that when you're in a place for a little while is automatic. Like you just yeah. in the middle of the night know where the light switch is in the bathroom. Having to wake up enough to think about that takes a surprising amount of mental energy because there's just like no routines. Yeah. Um, so that's what I find to be the hardest. I mean, there's things like time zone differences and whatever, but, but, but that's less stressful <laughs> for me than like, where are the fucking spoons? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, I just want to make coffee. Um, so that's hard. Uh, and, and things are not set up for people to not have homes, right? Like every yeah. field and form wants an address. People get very weird about not being able to know where you're going to be. That's slowly changing. There's a lot of like virtual mailbox companies that will like open your mail and scan it and send it to you. And there's like increasing numbers of of things designed because there's a lot of people who are beginning to lead the digital nomad lifestyle. So it's like the, the new term or whatever, which I think is like a Silicon Valley word for homeless. (laughs) 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 I'm not homeless. I'm a digital nomad. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There's some privilege there. The surprising thing for me when I did the nomad thing for the first time was that I thought it would be really hard to feel grounded because I wouldn't have like a home but Mm -hmm. I actually found it was the opposite that because there's nowhere else for me to be except for wherever I am I just settle in pretty quickly and am a lot more present to whatever I'm experiencing I don't know if that's been your experience or not Uh, yeah it's um it's funny I was where I am, I'm in Portobello, which is on the beach and the, the flat, haha, flat, the flat I have to, I'm like getting used to all the words, the flat I'm in, I can see the, the beach from every single room. In fact, I can turn it to you so you can, I think you can see the, I don't wow. know if you can see that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's from every single room. And so I just, some, some days I get up and I just like, Oh, it's so gorgeous. But then I go out and they're like um, a couple of cafes that I like to go and write in. And I, I was last weekend, I had the, I was walking along the, along the beach and I ran into two people that I know from just moving here from just, you know, the six weeks that I've been here. Wow. And it's kind of, Amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really an introvert. I'm not an extrovert at all, but I've been, you know, I've gone out a little bit. I've joined a NaNoWriMo group. So I've met some people that way and there's an expat group and I met some people that way, but I've been here for six weeks and I'm walking along on the beach one Friday night and I run into two people I know. That never happens in Austin. <laughs> I mean, so it's, but yeah, like where the bathroom light is, where um, where to go for to get coffee, where all the switches are, and things like that it 's just there 's some sort of muscle memory that I found 
really happen fast because when I wake up now, I'm not like, and it's been that way for weeks. When I wake up, I'm not like, where am I? I'm like, oh, I know where I am. I know my phone's right here. I know if I look out here, I'll see the beach. If I know Mm. when I go this way. So yeah, it, it, it happened way faster than I, I thought. I thought I would feel like I was in a weird place for the whole time. But it doesn't. This feels, this feels very comfortable. It, feel, it kind of feels like home. And it's kind of like unnerving to think about. So I'm here for a couple more weeks. And I'm, uh, I'm kind of nervous because this feels like home. <laughs> it's not my home. It's yeah. not my home at all. But I'm going to go to some other place. And I think in a relatively short time, it'll start to feel yeah. like home. It's just like, I, I was going to ask you, how do you decide? Because I'm like, I right now I have the entire role to choose from. And it's kind of freaking me out where I want to go next. Or even if I just want to stay here. Yep. In a different flat in Edinburgh or even a different flat that's close to the beach, but not on the beach. Or do I want to go to Amsterdam or do I want to go to Australia or do I want to go to Oregon? And it's kind of overwhelming making a decision. Um, Um, How do do you decide where you're going to go next? That's a great question. I don't totally know. Um, (laughs) uh, In the past, much of the decision has been around like conferences and events. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of those in life. So that gives me usually some goalposts. So I'm going to a conference. So I had the one in Manchester. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. I know I'm speaking at a conference in Manchester in September. And I know I'm going to a conference at Esalen in October. And I don't have anything in between. And I was like, cool, I'll spend a month in London with a keyboard yeah. there. That will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then I know I have an appointment in LA a couple weeks after the conference in San Francisco. So I'm like, okay, great. Spend a couple weeks there. Right. So it's like, I kind of have like some different events that will be goalposts. And then I figure out like, how, how do I want to get between those? But for next year, I'll be, uh, sort of in a different position because I'll have a full-time job and a full-time salary that's location independent. And that means it's just like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's a job I'm super stoked about. Yes. Yes. I'm stoked for you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So in the past when I've been, so I've, I've traveled in a few different ways. I've been fully nomadic and working for myself, which means hustling, speaking at conferences, like, Mm -hmm staying on whatever friends' couches, you know, kind of are willing to have me for a while. Um, Or uh, the last job I had, I traveled two to three weeks a month for that job, but it was all like work related. So I was going places where I could justify going for work, um, which was mostly conferences. So I was like, I went to 22 conferences in 12 months. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, exactly. So this will be sort of a different chapter because I don't have to go to any events. I'll, I'll still go to some not that many though, um, like two, <laughs> two conferences maybe. Um, but I also won't be having to hustle at the same level or having to always choose like the most affordable options. So you don't have to sleep on people's couches. Exactly. I, yeah. and I would really like to go be somewhere for a couple months and rent an apartment and experience that place so I don't know. So next year is a, a whole sort of different ball game, But some of it is around like intuition, um, paying attention to what shows up, like 
several people, you know, might mention a place or I'll just like keep seeing it on my Facebook newsfeed or in the, you know, media or whatever. And it will yeah. just not leave me alone. And I was reading your blog post about like why go to Scotland and you're kind of like, I don't know. It just like wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Um, I do have a lot of friends all over the world. So there's things like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I do want to go visit folks. So yeah. that might be part of the goalposts for me. Like I have a friend in Japan that really wants me to come visit her. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, so how do I figure that out? You know, I'll look at plane tickets and try to figure out cheap times of year, weather patterns, or, you know, I, like we'll sort of just see what, um, what, what makes up. sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is, this is just sort of an experiment for me. I've got a year and I spent half the year in Austin. Um, cause I was, I was like, I'm going to travel the whole year. And then I thought about me, the person me, and I was like, no, I'm not. So it was cool to hang out in Austin for half a year and not have to work and yeah, just be in Austin as kind of a tourist, but it's just so late, much more laid back when I don't have to worry about, you know, commuting and working and stuff like that. But, you know, the next step, like Edinburgh just popped into my head. When it popped in my, into my head, I had no idea there was a beach in Edinburgh. And initially I was going to, you know, do some sort of eat, pray, love thing, like do three or four months in like Paris and then someplace on the beach and then someplace else. And I had no other idea what those other places were. And I ended up, when I got here, I was like, oh, I'm on the beach. Yeah, I really love the beach. Why don't I just stay on the beach? Um, but it's, it's I, I, I don't think I could have predicted what I felt like, uh, where I felt like going before it was time to go, if that makes any sense. Yep. It probably does not. No, it's I don't totally like, get that. Um, it's really a matter, it was, it was really like, I booked this place four days before my flight to Edinburgh. I booked yeah. a one-way, <laughs> I, booked, I booked a one-way flight to Edinburgh, like weeks before when I was still in my apartment and I sold everything, got rid of everything. Some friends in Austin have a couple of boxes each and drove to Florida where my family lives. I left my car there. And, um, and now I'm just sort of like, well, where do I go next? Like there's, do do you ever feel, I feel this, so I'm going to ask about it. Do you ever feel like a pressure to just keep doing more? Yeah. Um, Because I'm, people are like, Oh my God, you've got, you know, got a year off and you know you can go here and here and here and here and then sometimes I just feel like no I'm just gonna hang out here yep no I totally do and especially being fully nomadic one of the things people don't realize is like I'm not on vacation like all the time so I'm working and I want to spend all day inside watching Netflix like I want to do all the things that people do who aren't nomadic um And it's hard just internally, even with myself sometimes to be like, you don't have to go outside the house and like go on a huge adventure every single day. Like it's also okay to just like be in your pajamas and not go like take full advantage of being here because you can come back. And because this is your whole life, it's not this one little, you know, tiny vacation. Yeah. So shifting that mentality is something I think I'm still in the middle of. Um, Like, oh, it's okay to just be 
yeah, to just be <laughs> here in this cool place. And then you can just go be in this other cool place. And I, you know, it's not that I haven't done anything in the city, but, yeah. um, but I've also been a homebody and I've been working really hard and, and it, it's a joy to get to do that in another place, but it, you know, I'm, I am working. So it's not like that's not part of the, the schedule every day. Yeah. That's okay. I feel better. <laughs> yeah. Some days, yeah. Some days, like I was mentioned before, I had a cold the last few days and I'm just like, I'm just going to sit here and watch skins for like, <laughs> you know, yep. however many hours. I, I wanted to get back to, um, some of the projects you've done. Do you mind talking about some of that? I'm definitely going to talk about your latest project, Wild Women's Adventures Club, because I'm yeah. so excited about it. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about your your other, some of your other projects, sort of what compelled you? Why did you choose those things? What was going on that made you think, I can do this for, if not a living, definitely as a source of, of, of energy for you, mm. if that makes any sense. Mm. Um, oh gosh. Well, I, uh, I am always doing little projects. It's what, what I call them in my head. It took me a long time to realize that that is like entrepreneurial or that mm. that's like, you know, all my projects were like community organizing or, you know, businesses or whatever else. I didn't know that. I was just like, I would rather do little projects than, I don't know, go to the movies. So I always kind of have little things that I'm scheming up and working on. And I have for as long as I can remember. I just didn't know that that was a big deal for a really long time or that that was unusual or special or was any sort of valuable <laughs> skill <laughs> that I could. Um, you it's know, incredibly make, valuable. Make money <laughs> I wish I had it. Well, you're doing this big project called the Bliss Tour. Yeah, I just, I feel, uh, yeah, okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But see, when you're doing it, you're, this is the same thing though, right? Because it feels like, no, no, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Like you don't understand. It's just like me hanging out with some friends and we're just like doing a little thing. Like, and it just, it feels like that for me, um, oftentimes on the inside of it. And then other people will be like, how did you do this thing? And I'm like, Oh no, I mean, sure. We raised like lots of money for charity and all these people came and it was in the media, but like, it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) It's just me and my friends at a coffee shop plotting this thing. That's a a really good way to think about it because it doesn't become this big, huge monster thing. Yeah. That's out there. <laughs> well, and it and things do become big and huge, but they don't like necessarily feel like you. Like I don't feel like I'm some impressive person because I did it. It's just like, oh, how cool that this turned into this other thing, right? So finding the balance between like taking credit and acknowledging what I've done, but not, yeah, not going into like an ego direction <laughs> in the way that I think is, is important. The first little projecty thing I ever organized was a walkout in high school. And a walkout? Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> the superintendent of the whole school district made this unilateral decision that basically would have had all the teachers teach an extra class um, every day without getting paid anymore. And I mean, you know, not, nobody needs to be told teachers are already working 70, 80 hour weeks. Yeah. 
grading and all of that. So the teachers unions were mad and parents were mad and a bunch of different schools did walkouts, but I organized one at my school that, you know, landed me in the vice principal's office for several hours while they tried to talk me out of it and, you know, news stations and all kinds of stuff, but it was really successful and they, um, the school board overturned the decision Um, Oh, nice. Yay. (laughs) I was successful. So so good. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, all these people came into this thing and it, you know, we weren't the only ones by any means. People all over the city were upset, but we like played this part in making a difference. And I was like, oh my God, I am addicted. Like this was, (laughs) it was like, so I felt like a wizard because then this is the thing it all still to the, I was uh, 16 Oh, and so that was literally half my life ago. I'm 32 now, but it still feels to me like this magical thing that I can come up with an idea in my head and then do some stuff, and then it happens in reality. It just feels like magic. That is incredible. Uh, to get to get that idea of what I can do affects people, affects organizations at such an early age yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was super awesome. And, you know, I had parents that, like, helped me buy the poster board for the walkouts, right? Like, they, yeah. they were not um, uh, into, like, blindly obeying authority. So it was good to have that kind of support and not be, like, worried about my future or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've done all kinds of little things like that. And then some of them have been more work-focused and some not and some sort of some hybrids in there. But I think along the way they've all contributed to what's starting to develop into this like professional community building thing and mm-hmm. um, so now that's like part of my I don't know reputation or or something and that's really cool to be like oh this like stuff I did that was just like having fun with my friends is now something I can like point to as an example of my like professional acumen <laughs> yeah it's you said before, like you you get positions or jobs through relationships, and so it sounds like what you're doing is you're just constantly making connections with yeah. people or or creating connections with people and saying, "Let's come together on this particular topic and go from there, wherever it leads, whether it's just in a coffee shop or an actual job, it sounds like yeah, and there's a lot of I, I would say like much of the opportunities I've gotten have started with me being like, "Oh, this thing you're doing super cool. Like I want to be involved in it. How do I be involved? Um, and you know, I mean, that's for me created everything from jobs to um like when I was in college, I asked that question of um, the president of the National Women's Political Caucus and ended up creating an internship with her that was part of like my degree requirement and got to get like really close with this woman who was telling me stories about like, you know, hanging out with Justice Sotomayor at, like during her book launch and stuff like that. Oh, right? wow. And so we're really good friends now. And every time I, and she actually lives in Austin. And so when I go there, I can hang out at her house. And that's like such an amazing relationship and connection to have that I got because I heard her speak on a panel and was like, I want to be involved in this. Like, how can I help? So not coming at it from what can I get out of it, but like, how can I be involved in this really cool thing? And I try to make a point of finding out like people who are doing cool stuff. I listen to what my friends are up to. I go make friends with interesting people. I, I go show up at events and you know, listen and participate and raise my hand and introduce myself to folks. 
And it's just astounding how much going someplace, raising your hand, like saying hi, like actually showing up can lead to and how fast. I, I think that's probably the, the biggest way I've gotten anything is just like I'm here, I'm physically here and, and available and I'm interested in participating however I can help. Wow. That leads me to the idea of fear. You have a, a you always strike me as being fearless. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if, if fear ever plays a role or how, do, how, do, how do you deal with, with fear? Everyone has fear on, on some level about something. How do you deal with that? Um, so- is it just sort of a natural thing for you to go to a place and raise your hand and be, you know, completely honest and, forthright about you know what you want to be involved in or is there some fear there speaking out oh that's so funny I um people often will describe me as fearless and it's not a word I would ever use for myself because I think I am afraid of like everything all the time so that's so interesting that sort of mirror that we get from other people about how we show up I get freaked out by everything. Everything's like so scary. Like public transportation in the new city is the most anxiety inducing. <laughs> like I'm right there with you. <laughs> especially a city where like you don't speak the language or the signs don't make sense or people yeah. are very serious or or gruff and so you have to pretend like you know what you're doing and I'm like just convinced I'm gonna take a bus or a subway like out into the middle of nowhere and it'll stop running and I'll be stranded in the middle of a field. Yeah. Um, it hasn't Without happened the right yet. change to get <laughs> back. <laughs> like I'll have the wrong currency, no one will speak English, like I'll be a dumb, dumb American who dies of exposure in a field because I can <laughs> navigate the buses in a new place. Like even ordering like coffee in new places is scary or you know I definitely get I'm pretty extroverted but I get social anxiety too and like overwhelmed with folks or I mean it's especially in new places where you don't have that routine or you don't feel comfortable and you don't know anybody so I feel that stuff and I don't know if there are times that I just like don't do things because it's too stressful and I think part of it is for me not beating myself up in those moments. So um, I have spent a lot of the last few years working on the uh, the inner monologue and having yeah. that voice be really nice. I got cancer a few years ago, and that was a big part of that journey for me. It was like learning how to be right. really nice to myself. Yeah, um, self-compassion. Totally. And I, in particular, I had a... Um, there was a counselor at the Livestrong Foundation who recommended a book called Positive Intelligence. Um, okay. That's all about those inner voices, the critic and the you know person that says you're not good enough and right, all of those things. Um, and so I've done a lot of work on that voice. So I'll sometimes like out loud alone with myself be like, okay, Harmony, so you're feeling really anxious today. Like, what is it that you need? Or like, what would make you feel better? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to take a nap? You know, do you want to like get a bunch of work done? Do you feel productive? Do you need to call somebody? Like, what do you need, sweetheart? And I will literally talk to myself like I am five years old. And it feels so nice that I'm like, okay, what do I need? 
like, oh, I really miss my friends. So maybe I should write somebody or like, I haven't been outside in three days. I should go to the park and I'll bring my journal or I'll bring some colored pencils and I'll, that would be really nice. Okay, well, why don't you do that? Do you need a snack to bring with you? Okay, maybe I do need a snack. I'll make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, and I'll just have this conversation with myself, which like feels I don't know, silly or we don't, it's not a thing we see modeled anywhere, but that level of like extreme self-compassion means that I can like much more authentically listen to what's really going on for me. Like, what do I really need? And I can think about like, okay, well, you're feeling really nervous about going to this event, for example. Like, is it because, Uh you know, you're scared about going alone? Is it because maybe you don't really want to go and you think you should? Is it like, Um, you know, what's going on. And then I can really suss out like, oh, well, actually, like, I really do want to go to this. Like, I'll give you an example. October 1st, I discovered is World Cocoa Day. Um, And London has a museum. Like hot chocolate? Yep. Yep. Like, um, oh, okay. Yeah. I I think I saw Facebook or Twitter photos. Yeah. 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 So there's a chocolate museum in London that was having an event. Or World Cocoa Day. Um, and I went by myself, but I was kind of nervous. And I showed up early and they weren't open yet. And I was like, ah, do I want to stay? Do I want to go? And I almost went home and I like had this little dialogue with myself. Like, okay, well, um, it's okay if you go home. Like, you don't have to go to the thing, but do you want to? Like, what would be the pros and cons? I just like talked it out. I was like, you know what? Like, I feel nervous and I don't know what to expect. They're setting up chairs and I didn't know there would be like a talk you know this is just not what I was I had an expectation this is not what I was planning on right um but I was like but I really want to go like this is the thing I want to have said that I did so okay so like suck it up and let's go and then I had the best time I was so happy that I went um but I could have just as easily been like, nope, bailing, not what I expected, <laughs> not what I want, going Can't home. Can't deal right now. Can't deal. Change my yeah. mind. Came all the way out here, don't care, going home. And sometimes I do that, and that's okay. But the more I have space for it to always be okay for me to just not go and not have to have a good reason, like, I just changed my mind, I just don't want to do it, it doesn't feel good right now, then the more often I can be like, okay, well, there's that feeling, but I also want to go, so I'm going to go anyway. So actually, which seems counterintuitive, but the more it's okay for me to just bail, the less I do. That's, yeah, I I struggle with that. People have said to me, someone said to me, you know, you're going to go and you're going to have so many adventures and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. I'm like, basically, it's kind of like being in Austin. I, I write a lot. I'm trying to finish this novel so I can start another one in November. And it's like, I go to a cafe and I write. <laughs> and the people have like different accents and the money looks funny. Um, yep. And I'm, I'm trying to be okay with, you know, not going out and every day is an adventure. Like every day is, I think it's every, I, I have to work on like giving myself permission to do that. And I definitely want to look up that, that book uh, what is it? Positive intelligence. Uh huh. Because I've, I've read some of uh, Kristen Neff. She's actually at UT Austin, and she mm. she studies self compassion. And so mm. that idea of actually having a conversation out loud, 
like I'll, I'll journal and I'll go, I'll start my a journal entry with, okay, I need a pep talk. And I'll like <laughs> give myself a pep talk. And then, yeah. But I kind of like the idea of like, you know, really saying it out loud and, and, you know, do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Sometimes you just, or a grilled cheese, something like totally. that. You know, just sometimes you want that. Yes. Uh, so if you want to get like really crazy, have those conversations in the mirror, <laughs> um, which I do sometimes. I, I actually travel around with a picture of myself when I was about four years old in my journal so that I can pull it out and remember to take care of her. So, um, yeah. and, and some people I know will even like keep a little picture of themselves as a kid in front of a mirror and so they can talk to themselves and remember to like be kind to that person. And again, it feels super weird. The first time you're like looking in a mirror being like, hello, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I kind of end up having to talk in a silly voice cause I feel silly, but I will bring myself to tears cause it just feels so unbelievably good to be nice to yourself. Yeah. 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 I don't think most people, do that very often. I was talking to a friend about, you know, the voices in your head. They're just like, always seem to be there and always beat you down yep. and um, how to counteract that. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that yeah. <laughs> everyone does that. It's not just me. It's always yeah. nice to know that other people are suffering too. I don't know. <laughs> Misery does love company, but in totally. some ways it's really uplifting to know that someone else has those, has those same, um, issues those same I think it's universal yeah I, it's I, yeah. universal from every book I've read it's it's universal it's like you're not the only one who has this but now tell me all about wild women's adventure club okay I would love to okay uh, I, I'm so excited it's a, a project that's only about a month old so it's still brand new okay. um I did not plan on starting it. So it, this is one of those things that's sort of a supernova um, in my face. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm doing this thing. So I was at um, one of the, the conferences and events that I go to, a thing called Camp Good Life Project, which is okay. put on by a guy named Jonathan Fields who has goodlifeproject.com. He has a podcast and a blog. He's, that's actually who I'm working with now. I co-lead another course with him. Um, okay. So he, Jonathan's amazing. He's a like serial entrepreneur and his sort of flavor and brand of business is sort of like Buddha meets, I don't know, Richard Branson or something. <laughs> uh, so he's got great blog articles like if the Buddha was CEO and thinking about like, can we have compassionate joy, like even for our competitors success and what does it take to, instead of getting a bigger pie slice, create a bigger pie so that it's not about Ooh. competition that's like more for everyone, right? So real, which is part of what I love about getting to work with him is that's, that's how, how I want to think. So Camp Good Life Project is a summer camp for makers and visionaries and entrepreneurs. And it's like 350 people in, at a kid's summer camp in upstate New York. So like bunk beds, okay. the whole the whole deal. Um, and in addition to like really a summer camp, it's yeah. not like in a conference room in a hotel, no. Okay. No, like 12 people in a bunkhouse, girl side, boys side, the whole deal. And there's like talks and lectures, but there's also arts and crafts and a bonfire. And the Saturday night, there's a talent show because that's what you do at summer camp is you have a yeah. talent show. 
So I'm a poet. I have a background in slam poetry, among other things. And, and it's one of the things in my recent exploration after getting laid off, I've just been in this question of like, what lights me up? And not worrying about money, but just figuring out like, what do I love doing? And one of the things that's be, that like really sort of hit me upside the head is that I love slam poetry and I stopped doing it years ago because I had a whole falling out with a friend, like a whole trauma. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. I have to start doing this again. So I've started writing these little pieces, but I hadn't performed them anywhere. And I decided that the summer camp talent show would be a good place to trot one of them out. Um, okay. And just like, like have this little moment of expression. And that was it. Like I was just yeah. going to do this poem in front of a couple hundred people and like then go back to my seat. And the poem I did is called How to Get a Wild Woman. And there's actually a video of it on the Wild Women's Adventure Club website, which is wildwomensadventureclub.com. Um, so you can see it and read the text. And all these women at summer camp came up to me crying. And were like, oh, wow. I was like, hmm. They were like, that meant so much to me. Like those were, you know, that you put into words things I've been trying to express for a long time. Or like I was nudging my boyfriend the whole time being like, listen to what she's saying. Just like woman after woman after woman kept coming up to me. And and at some point I was like, okay, so like this is a thing. Yeah. There's like yeah. a thing here. And I didn't know that so many other people were struggling with this idea of like, I want to make a life that's not the way the normal rules go. And it feels yeah. very lonely and very hard. And I don't know how to talk about it or how to create from nothing this thing. And I have like n nobody else to understand but except that apparently all of these people understand right. <laughs> yeah. so I ended up spending about a week with one of the women who I met at camp in New York her name's Laura she's this incredible designer and animator from the Dominican Republic and I told her when I got there I was like something's going on about this. And she had actually not been in the room when I did the poem. So she's like, oh, will you like recite it for me? And I recited it for her in her living room, just the two of us. And like looked at her face as she's like crying while I'm saying the poem. Yeah. And I was like, this is so intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, there's something here. And I was like, the phrase that comes to mind is like wild women's adventure club. And I don't know what that is. I was like, but there's some place that we need to come and convene and I woke up the next morning and she had designed a logo she'd been so inspired that she was like I just want to be a part of oh building God, this awesome. <laughs> I know so I spent the next week like crazy building a website coming up with all these ideas including my favorite part of it which is this monthly google hangout with women which I call wild women Wednesdays on the first Wednesdays of the month where we're and we had the first one yesterday yes. um uh, where we'll talk about what it means to be wild in different parts of life. And and I realized that one of the very cool things is that I have this huge community of people from all over the world from these very wide range of backgrounds. And and I haven't known how to really like contribute that community to the world or to the community. So this is this way I get to do that. I missed the live broadcast, but I was looking and, and it is new because I asked you about this. I've been thinking about interviewing you for a while and I'd looked on to see what you were, you were up to. And then <laughs> it was like, I think it was just like yesterday. I was like, wait, what is this? What, what? So I was very excited about that. And I'm very, 
one of the things someone said, it may have been you, it may have been someone else about, you know, if, if something like if you have a hard time following the rules or if you don't follow the rules or I'm, I'm like this, um, maybe I should call it a lazy rebel. <laughs> it's like, ah, I'm not going to follow that rule. One of my friends says, one of my main things that she hears me say all the time is I'm not doing that. And it's just the idea of not following rules, especially for women can be so hard. Whatever may come up where they work or how they look or what they say, or, you know, even how they say things like, how how do you see you know the wild women's adventure club sort of finding women who want to rebel or just how do you, how do you see it advancing i see it advancing but <laughs> you tell me what you think <laughs> well so i mean in the first month we didn't do like any marketing or anything and last night when i looked 80 something people had watched the recording so it seems to be spreading just with women saying like, ah, oh, you're my friend. Like, I know you, I see you, you're wild. Like, come be a part of this. And I, th- I have had some like really amazing suggestions and contributions around what it would look like to market it. And I think at some point we will, you know, go a little bit bigger with, you know, I don't know, uh, videos or, you know, email blasts or whatever to try to spread it. But one of the things that I'm feeling right now is a need to have it grow deliberately because I still don't entirely know what it is. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm trying to finish birthing the thing. Yeah. And listening to the people who've shown up right away, the people who've been like, ah, this thing, like, okay, what is this thing for you? Like, what do you want? And hearing from that small group, like, what do you want from this community? And seeing, like, I, I created a website with a lot of different ways for people to interact. And so this is a chance for me to be like, where are you interacting? What are you doing? You know, there's been um, a number of people posting suggestions about what they want from the community, but very few folks doing things like posting events on the shared calendar. So maybe that's just like not a thing people want, which is fine. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's like part of what I'm doing right now is like listening for what people want. And then also checking in with myself about like what's, what of that is consistent with my vision with what I want to create. So I think there's value in like, I, I, I'm pretty excited about the fact that, you know, 80 people watched this webinar and, and there were folks all over the world and people that I didn't know. Right. So it's definitely spread beyond my immediate circle. And I know a ton of people who are going to watch the replay. So, yeah, so I'm letting it kind of grow by that like word of mouth framework at this point while we figure out like I mean maybe it's just going to keep being this thing I do every month where I just get to show off my super cool friends and that's it and that's fine maybe there's a business there maybe it's a nonprofit. maybe it's a collective maybe it's a like I don't know I I don't know what it is it was I went and when I saw it I was like this is so cool and the name I was like wild women's adventure club but it's an awesome name so I just, I wanted to ask you about that because just, just the title of it, just, yeah, it does. I, I watched your, your poem, um, how to catch a wild woman and just, just start thinking, what does it mean to be a wild woman? How do you, 
you know, negotiate responsibilities and outside pressures, whether general societal pressures or familial pressures, how do you, how do you go about being a wow woman? And I mm -hmm. think, yeah, it really spoke to me because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about <laughs> that. <laughs> like, yeah. how, do, how do I break out of routine or ideas that stop me from doing things? Yeah. So I was really excited to see it. That's awesome. Um, it, it's amazing. And I learned so much from the panel yesterday. And there's something so sort of selfish about getting to be the one convening these people because I get to be like, okay, eight of the most amazing women I know, come mm -hmm. answer a bunch of questions for me about life. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We'll let some other people listen too. But like, could you tell me more about how to do this thing? Right? Yeah. Um, so I'm just uh, so thrilled about getting to receive all of their wisdom. And the, one of the things I was struck by yesterday was how much there was a focus on like calmness and meditation and the mm -hmm. pause and stillness and nature. And we tend, or at least I tend to imagine wildness as this, I think one of the panelists put it as like somebody like running naked through the forest, right? Like, yeah. Ah! Yeah. but which is fine. We should do that too. There, there's absolutely place for all of that. But to hear from so many different perspectives, ages, countries, backgrounds, that like their advice around how to be wild was stuff like practice mindfulness meditation, send mm -hmm. those cards to your friends, like build connections, check in with yourself, get up before the sunrise and go be alone in nature. Or, like all of this very going inwards practice. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true and so profound. And I don't know that I would have come up with that or at least not at first around like, what does it mean to be wild or what practices should we implement yeah. to, to develop our wildness? But I think then I, as soon as I heard people saying it, I was like, Oh yeah, duh, that's so true. The more that I am still that I check in with myself, that I listen deeply, the better able I am to hear in the world around me, what's true for me, what it feels like a very arbitrary rule, what's authentic and inauthentic, even if I can't articulate it, what's the yeah. next step. Right. So that was really surprising. And I'm like, wow, that was just in the, the first session. And I have learned so much. Yeah. Cool. I think what that says to me, we run around like crazy all the time, which can sort of simulate like things are wild or, but I think, I think a lot about wild is like getting off that crazy path of just going and going and going and going and going and stopping and thinking about what direction you want to actually go in, which may not be the direction that anyone else is going in. And so that means going out into the wild. I'm totally interpreting your title yeah. for you. <laughs> and, go for so it. That, and so that means going out into the wild yeah. where you might be alone, at least for a little bit but you know what direction you want to go into. And that's, I mean, that's not easy. So it's good to have a group of women who are doing it together. So yeah. that even if you're in your own little patch of the wild, you know that someone else is out exploring there with you. Yeah. So that's, that's, I was so excited to see it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I, it's such a joy for me to get to create it. The, the panel was so juicy yesterday and yeah. so my, my brain is just buzzing. I, you know, have all these schemes and plots and plans about future sessions and 
it's a yeah it's a whole thing curating this maker yeah <laughs> oh. yeah just getting the I, I, like I actually love interviewing people I, I had a job where I traveled a lot and did interviews and it was for a research project actually it's qualitative research I got to interview people and this is one of the things I love because you you learn something from every single interview. You learn something from every single conversation. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. One of the, there's kind of a lull, <laughs> but this is one of the reasons why I want to interview people uh, because, you know, just learn so much about work and life and the sabbatical I'm taking this year off. It's like, it's a, it's a year away from work, but it's not a year away from life, if that makes any sense. Yep. And so talking to people about work and life and what gives them, what brings them bliss, I just think is so important because my idea of bliss is, I, I, it's unformed right now. And so I want to ask you, you know, what's your idea of bliss? And Ooh. it doesn't have to be work related. It could be, you know, it could be go to a spa or get a massage. It just, just what's your idea of, of bliss? And it could be multiple things. So. Hmm. That's, I don't know what it means to me, but I can tell you some of the times that I feel it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So being in incredible nature is a place where I feel super blissed out. So like in the last year, for example, one of the most beautiful places I've been is a place um, in British Columbia called Pachima Bay that is this campground run um, it's actually on first nations land and they run the campground okay uh, so it's this it's a super big pain to get to it's like a five-hour drive from victoria two of those hours <laughs> are on logging roads um, oh, wow yeah i mean it's like it is a pain but that's where the victoria regional burning man event was and when you get there, it's like this virgin rainforest. Mm -hmm. And then you follow little trails through this like dense overhang. And all of a sudden you're um, in this bay and it looks like a movie set. Cause it's like, you know, little rocky cliffs that sort of enclose it. And there's a freshwater stream that flows into the ocean uh -huh. and the sand is gorgeous and there's big trees. And every day that we were there, a mama and baby whales came and played in the surf Oh. I mean, it was just like unreal, <laughs> unreal, like so magical. The, you know, the sun like sparkled off the waves and we had the whole campground to ourselves and it's a Burning Man event. So you could just go naked into the ocean to swim yeah. with the whales. Like it was just amazing. So that like super blissful. I spent some time in rural Ireland earlier this summer in Sligo and it was the same thing like cliffs and these like waving grasses and the you know the water and the beaches just so beautiful and intense so for me getting to be in places like that is is really high on my priority list for the future because yeah like oh god uh, I just I get really serene but I also like really energized by people and in particular I think I feel like a lot of bliss when I get to watch people like be really brave. I think that's my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. 
especially when it's in like little ways. So, I mean, I, of course I am just like anybody inspired by these giant acts of bravery or heroism, but I think little things like, you know, calling somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time to like make amends or, you know, when I hear stories of, you know, God, people who parents who've never met somebody who's gay and their kid comes out and they are going to, you know, like maybe make these like super misguided efforts. Like, okay, my son is gay. I'm going to buy him like all pink stuff. And it's like, (laughs) like, that's not really how that works. But, but like, it's coming from this, like, like super unfamiliar, like trying play, like that sort of brave attempt to like reach out and connect and be vulnerable. Like that just makes me fall apart. I am so moved by by people being that way. So, so that's a big area for me of, of bliss is, is seeking out those moments and, and cultivating those kind of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the, the two big things I think <laughs> that come to mind when you ask that question. Cool. cool. I think everyone has a different idea of bliss. That's why I, I really like asking it. And I try to think about what it means to me. And I'm, I'm always like, uh, I don't know. I'll ask someone else. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's my so joy. We can do it. Thanks again to Harmony Eichstead of Wild Women's Adventure Club. Check out her website, wildwomensadventureclub.com and the Wild Women Wednesdays. The next one will be November 4th, Wild with Gratitude. Check that out. And thank you again for joining me on this second episode of the Bliss Tour. I'll have links and additional information about this episode on theblisstour.com. The music you're listening to was provided by the North Sea. It's a really old group. They've been together for about a million years. Actually, I've been told that this beach, Portobello, is a small tributary to the North Sea. But I'm just going to call it the North Sea short. I hope you enjoyed this interview because I have a couple more coming up in the next few weeks. Find me at theblisstour.com and on Twitter and Instagram at theblisstour. And for the next few weeks in Edinburgh, Scotland, find your bliss. <laughs>